Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. All right, welcome back, guys, to another episode of Cutting the Distant Podcast. I'm Dirk Durham, and tonight I've got an old friend and fellow podcaster, old Jim Huntsman himself. Who you calling old? (laughs) (laughs) I guess I am the guy with the white face here. (laughs) How's it going, man? Good, good. I would grow a really big, big beard, but um, every time I even get a little bit shaggy, everybody says, "Oh, hey, Santa Claus." <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I uh, that's the, I'd look like ZZ Top, man. I, I'm just I keep mine nice and trimmed. <laughs> ZZ Top <laughs> or old Bill Golden from uh, from the uh, Oak Ridge Boys. <laughs> yeah, with the big beard and long hair. <laughs> oh man. Uh, ooh mop a mow mow. Well, hey, I got I got Jim on the podcast here tonight and we want to talk about something that's kind of been grinding my gears for a while and been, you know, I've been kind of watching social media and and whether it's a hunter posting or maybe maybe a a fishing game entity they post on Facebook or or whatever and they talk about hey it's time to voice your opinion on on different regulation changes or whatever but there's this big division and I think we see it everywhere um, America's divided right it seems like um, if you like purple if you like green if it doesn't matter it, when people are taking a lot of sides and really divided right now in America and I don't think social media or media in general is helping things out. So I thought I'd kind of talk to you about it. And it kind of bothers me a little bit because if you look at the 
if you look at the overall picture, um, I think we're all in this to, thing together. We all want the same goals, but man, we, we get kind of caught up in all the bickering and back and forth on, on social media and uh, commenting. And, and on it, I honestly think there's some people on there that would, um, would never say the kind of things they say on social media to another person's face. But for some reason... <laughs> they start typing and and they they feel like you know they they don't have to respect their human their their uh, their human counterpart they don't have to respect their fellow hunter and uh what are your thoughts jim well i think that it's um i think it's a bigger problem than what a lot of people are even giving it credit for i i think that this division is used against us by not only you know, the, the hostile vegan crowd or the anti-hunting crowd. Um, I, I think that it, it creates like this disparity in beliefs and values that are going to be important when we have to come together, when the anti-hunting movement grows larger and louder and more influential on the non-hunter. And so that, you know, having that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's, when, when when people are mad at each other, they're going to not want to support each other. So like, for example, if there is some regulation being passed um, about a rifle season, for example, and the rifle hunters and the bow hunters have been bickering back and forth and, and they've got like this animosity build up, why is that bow hunter going to go help support that rifle hunter if, if there's some kind of, you know, regulatory or piece of legislation or, or commission decision coming down the pike um, because they don't like each other essentially. And, and we're like looking at each other in the, it's, it's misplaced anger and animosity when we have a much bigger threat and a much bigger problem and, and a much bigger enemy, you know, so to speak. So yeah, I, I think it's a major issue. I remember Dirk, when, um, when I was a kid, the, the, there was this gas station in our town and during hunting season, everybody but it would take like Polaroids or they'd go get uh, pictures printed up. This was before like, you know, social media and all that, obviously. We're talking like the early 90s, uh, maybe even in the late 80s. I can't remember. But the, everybody would post the picture of their buck or, or elk or whatever on the, on the wall in the entryway of this gas station. Everybody would kind of stand around and, and, and look at this. And I remember at some point, some jokester took a, a marker and blacked out a tooth on somebody's picture, right? Just being uh, being funny or whatever. But people, hunters back then, right, right. It, this was like the talk of the town in the cafe and all this stuff where people were pissed that somebody disrespected that hunter, that fellow hunter. And and that was like the attitude back then. Yeah. And and all it was was probably some kid that decided that, you know, thought he was funny to black out a tooth. And, uh, but, but people took that as a sign of disrespect. That was probably me. That was probably it was me. probably you. I, that's that what was, I said back then. I was like nine years old. It was dirt. I'm, I'm a little bit of a, yeah, I was a little bit of a wiseacre. Well, I still kind of am. Uh, I would do <laughs> it no, today. I would, I'm, dude, I'm in my 40s. I'd black out somebody's tooth in a, in a funny picture. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it just kind of speaks to the difference in how respect levels were in terms of, you know, these are, these are fellow hunters. Uh, they didn't care about the method of take in which they killed that buck. Um, they, they didn't care about, you know, brands that you wore or, or bows that you shot or, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, they, the, the point was there, was there was a lot of unification, and that doesn't exist today. Yeah, it's crazy. And the, the tangents people get on 
Uh, for instance, I, I've seen one here on uh, Facebook the other day. It was uh, Idaho Department of Fish and Game. They were wanting some public input on whether people wanted to continue using number 11 musket caps or not, is it number the 11, number 11? No, yeah, number 11. Yeah, number and then number the 11 caps. percussion caps. And, and good luck with that because you can't find them anywhere anyway. You can't yeah. buy them. I, two falls ago, yeah. I, I was going to take advantage of the muzzleloader season, and I searched high and low on the internet and locally, thought, yep. well, every little mom-and-pop gun shop somewhere should have a you know, a handful of these. I things. know. I just couldn't find them. And luckily, a, a, fun, a friend of mine gave me some of his. But uh, So anyway, and they acknowledged that, that it was kind of a – they're hard to hard to find these days, and they're they're saying you know wanting public input. What do you think about going to the shotgun primers? Right, you know, can are are you guys against it or for it? And honestly, I'm I'm for it just because of the fact that <laughs> if you don't have musket caps, you can't make your musket go boom, right? Yeah, and um, dead in the so, water. And then who knows? You know, ammunition and primers in general have been really hard to get. So um, anyway. So I, I supported that. I, went, I got online and went and took their survey, and there, there was a couple other questions on there. I think uh, they talked about jacketed bullets, um, sabbated bullets and such, you know, for the inlines or whatever. And, oh, man, it was a garage fire. In the comments, people were mad, and then they're saying, you know, you guys are trying to put scopes on muzzleloaders, and you're trying to do this. It's like, there was Scopes were never mentioned um, yeah. in, the, in the questionnaire. Um, but, you know, everybody seems to want to kind of roll downhill, go negative on it. But it was just crazy, you know, and then pretty soon people are bickering amongst each other. And then they're, you know, well, have you ever killed anything? Well, yeah, I've killed a lot of stuff. And, you know, it just the, yeah. the conversation just degrades from there. Yeah. Um, and you see that more and more. And it it doesn't matter what it is, if, if it's just a tiny bit controversial. If you were to post a picture of a wolf and... uh you put that on your your social media feed. Um, you're going to have a lot of supporters, but eventually somebody's going to start throwing rotten eggs, and then then the conversation just goes south really fast. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the anti hunters and the wolf uh, loving community. They I think they kind of band together. So they're like, hey, go go blow up this guy's picture, or this guy's feed, and then you got you know every they, those guys tag team each other and get in there and and um, type a bunch of mean hateful things. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It feels like it, it seems like it's so easy to go down that that road these days and get negative. I'm, and sometimes maybe I see something that upsets me on on social media. Maybe someone did something. Maybe some company did something that's uh, hey, well, I thought those guys were supposed to be hunters, or I thought they supported gun rights or hunting. And now everybody kind of almost jumps to the the worst conclusion really quickly seems like on some of these topics instead of like push and pause. And I usually have to do that. I'm a little bit of a hothead myself sometimes and I have to push pause and be like, okay, well, what are, what are the facts mm-hmm. besides what this little thing I read on this little snippet on Facebook, Instagram, wherever. And let me do some research before I get a, an emotional response to it. Maybe there's more to it. And 99% of the time, you've just got a little snippet of what the problem or the, the, the situation actually is. And then once, once you re- kind of read through it, mull it over a little bit, I have a lot more understanding and maybe I'm not 
so spirited on my on a, on the reply I would initially would have put. Yeah, I think we're all guilty of that, Derek. I mean, we we've all gotten on Facebook, especially Facebook seems to be that one and Twitter seem to be like the most uh, fiery, where where people get super emotional and have these these crazed responses. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working on this one project. So I, I you know, as a test, a t- this was a total, this was a non-serious post, but as a test, I posted the meat yield difference between my four and a half or five and a half year, I'm not sure how old this buck was, this buck I'd killed, uh, the meat yield of that one versus my daughter's spike she just killed. And, and I, and I, everybody, anybody who's hunted, we all know it's obvious you know, these bigger, these more mature bucks, you're going to get a lot more meat, right? And so that's what I, that's exactly what I wanted to try and see how easily people are triggered when it comes to this hunting topic. Uh, because let's face it, hunters are just, you know, we, we are passionate, we're, we're emotional people, we, we get, you know, this stuff is important to us. And so I posted it. And I took a picture, I, I, I put a picture of the uh, my buck and my daughter's buck and kind of put them together, you know, uh, and and I like just basically reported the meat yield, purposely not advocating whether or not we should hunt big bucks, mature bucks versus little bucks or, or anything like that. I said nothing about that. It was just strictly like the the facts of here's how much meat this buck gave, here's how much meat this buck produced, and you know we butcher it all all ourselves. So I was able to control all the all the weighing and everything, and um. Man, not not five minutes after posting that, somebody went b- just absolutely berserk, and well, don't tell me what kind of buck I should I should hunt and and what I shouldn't hunt, and I'm like, man, I didn't, <laughs> I I didn't, I I literally posted this to see what people would say yeah. in that in that kind of response, and it's uh, again, it's for something else I'm working on, but um, it's it's interesting to see uh, again going back to what you said, you know, I, we we've all been there where we see something and we we kind of have this knee jerk reaction without understanding maybe the context in, in which something was posted, whether it was from like a, a fish and game agency or, or somebody just sharing, you know, some of their success in the field or whatever. And, and people just have this, I don't know what it is about social media that makes people this way, other than the fact that we're not sitting down face to face. Because if, if, if we were sitting in a ca- cafe or something, you know, if we were having breakfast together, or we were sitting in a bar, having a beer, and and talking about this stuff and and i showed somebody a picture of of these two different bucks and i said hey this buck uh produced you know whatever amount of meat and this this smaller buck produced this amount much amount of meat the the person sitting next to me is not going to freak out on me because we're face to face and so this lack of being face to face and this this you know we all know hunters are just opinionated in general just by our very nature and we all have different experiences and we were all taught different things and so you know if 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 somebody like i looked up to my grandpa big time if my grandpa said it man that that his word was was gold and that is how things were right yeah. and so i have things from when i'm like five yeah. years old that i remember my grandpa taught me about hunting or fishing especially because he was a big time fisherman and as to this day i have proven what he said was actually not entirely accurate but to him it was and and i still think he's right even though i know it's not D- does that make sense how i'm explaining that and so we we get stuck in those oh, yeah. we get stuck in that um 
maybe what we were taught that what is a, there's like a fancy term for like cognitive dissonance or, or, or something where it, it's like we we think things are true that might not be true or we want to defend something that we've always believed because it's how we've done it but because we're on social media we have this ability to get super aggressive about it and not get punched in the face yeah exactly yeah, and I think some of that like is confirmation bias. Um, mm-hmm. y- you have an opinion on something, so you're always looking to confirm that opinion in everything you see. Um, you know, for instance, I I I believe pretty strongly that um, every year during the year of the Huckleberry, you know, when there's years of the I call it the year of the Huckleberry, when we have a bumper Huckleberry crop, a lot of the elk don't beagle worth a crap in the places I hunt. And it's kind of a funny little term, but, you know, I think it all goes back to how much water um, is getting soaked into the ground. There's how much feed there is. And, you know, you have, you know, you have elk spread out all across, all across the landscape instead of like on a dry year um, when things are a drought, you know, you only have feed in certain spots. Elk yeah. tend to congregate. There's more competition for those, those cows because every, all the elk are in that spot. Anyway, um, but no, you're, you're right. You know, everybody wants to defend their, their opinion. Grandpa said this, grandpa said that my dad, he was an avid sportsman about the most opinionated man you'll ever meet. Yeah. And a lot of the things he told me growing up, you know, taught me, you know, I was like, well, yeah, my dad, he knows he, he knew, Mm -hmm. but I've, I've dismantled a lot of those, a lot of those ideas of, of hunting and the way things work, um, just, just through my own experiences and not on purpose. It's just like, huh, that's just didn't turn out the way, you know, my dad saw things. And yeah. I think people, everyone sees things through a little different lens. Um, kind of like the old, the old game. What is it? Uh, the telephone game, right? You, you, somebody tells you something, you whisper into the person next to you's ear and you tell them exactly what that other person told you. And you have a room full of people. So you go around six or eight people here. And by the time, the message gets to the last person, it's changed dramatically. Yeah. Because yeah. the way people hear it, they process it, they paraphrase, they put it out to the next person, maybe in a way they think they're going to understand it in the same way they understood it. And it changes a lot. So I feel like everybody's so quick to judge another person's opinion and not like, well, well, why don't you tell me your opinion and listen and maybe analyze it and, and mull on it a little bit. But I feel like that instant satisfaction or gratification of firing back really quickly with that emotional response is, uh, is, is really, it's, it's damaging, honestly, to, to, to our hunting heritage. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, again, it goes back to that animosity thing and that resentment thing. How are we supposed to come together when, you know, you've got, for uh, I'll use Washington as, as an example, you know, they've got this, this, part of their commission are like hot, they're, they're flat hostile towards hunters. Right. And, and they're trying to push this, um, right. this agenda that is taking away, whether it's spring bear or, or uh, any other predator type hunting, they're trying to, they're trying to get rid of like mountain lion hunting and, and trying to change the model of wildlife management in the state of Washington away from like the North American model to something that they see as like this utopian, leave everything alone kind of model. And, and if we're if we're over here, and the, and the anti hunters know this stuff, you know they they monitor us, they they watch this stuff. So so we're over here, we're bickering about whether or not a six point five Creedmoor is deadly enough for an elk, 
<laughs> and and they're over here pushing things under the under the table through the commission, saying, "Hey, this is how we can get rid of spring bear hunting. This is how we can get rid of all bear hunting and, and mountain lion hunting. This is how we could do away with with hounds, uh, and and all these things that are precious to us. That that they're they're working on that. You know that saying, "How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time?" They're taking bites. Meanwhile, we're just nipping at each other. And, and, you know, hey, you know, that, I don't care if you shoot a spike, you, you shouldn't, um, we, you can't eat the horns. And then you got the other guy going, you know, oh, well, because of you, there's no big bucks left on this mountain because you, you're killing all the spikes, you know, and, and, and really the, the, the pro, like, I hate that argument. I hate that particular ar- argument um, more than any other because I have wanted to take a side on that argument and I cannot find tangible information to back up either side of that. And so I have no strong opinion on it. And if I can't form like a strong opinion on it, I just don't like the argument. And, and I think that people start forming these arguments and these opinions on things that really cannot be backed up. And, and again, it's just this big distraction from, from a greater enemy and a greater threat. And we're wasting our time. It, it's, it's just a, it, it's going to, it's going to come back and bite hunters right in the behind being, being this hostile towards each other. It's so unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today.
we have these bigger fish to fry than, mm-hmm. like you said, the, the six fight Creedmoor um, conversation or traditional archery versus compound. You know, there, that's a very spirited, spirited conversation a lot of times. And within a niche, there's a lot of supporters within those niches, but they don't back up sometimes on both sides and, and think, dang it, we're all hunters. I want to support hunters. You know, gee whiz, I decide I want to shoot a recurve bow and limit my shot distance or, or whatever. Maybe not. Maybe maybe a person's an excellent shot with a, a recurve at, at a long ways away. But but to sit there and throw rocks at a compound shooter for having sights or or vice versa, you know, the compound shooters think they're superior or, or whatever. I mean, you could, if you search the internet, you can find every situation or scenario argued about but in the in the end guys and gals we're you're both bow hunters Mm -hmm. support your bow hunters okay um gun hunters versus bow hunters you know you within those conversations you see somebody if there was a question about what we should would what should we do with the bow season, and the rifle hunters or maybe would say, oh, we we want more rifle season during the bow season, or or you know, or the bow the bow hunters may want more bow season that would take shorten the rifle season, but no, pretty soon it, the conversation degrades again, and in the end, we're they're both hunters, you know, mm-hmm. bow or and gun hunt. I mean, you're both hunting. I've always been an opportunistic hunter. Um, I love hunting of all kinds. So I started out as a rifle hunter and then found out about bow hunting. And I'm like, wow, I can hunt another month. I love hunting. I want to be in the woods as much as I possibly can. So I'll pick up a bow and wow, I can chase bugling bulls the month of September. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And then back when I was a kid, then you could you could continue with the same elk tag. You could continue on from archery season to, to rifle season with that same elk tag. Things have changed a lot in Idaho, but it was like, wow, this is, this is great. I can, I can hunt with a bow. I can hunt with a rifle. And if I don't get one with a rifle, I can get one with a muzzleloader. What? Really? Yeah. This is yeah. awesome. Like opportunistic. Um, so I have a, I have a massive respect for, for all of, all of the hunting, you know, whether, you know, maybe it's a, maybe somebody wants to use a crossbow. That's not my cup of tea, but you know, if, if you want to go lug one of them things around, I mean, right? by all means, go do it as long as it's legal. Right. Yeah. You know, as long yeah, as it's I mean, legal. And we it's shouldn't, a, we shouldn't poo poo on other people's parades. Yeah. That, and and you nailed it in. And, and that's the thing, uh, not to keep up bringing my grand my grandparents up, but my grandma would say, uh, "Mind your business and mind your manners." See those two things hunters need to take into account when we're talking about like social media because I think two things happen. I think, like, like you said, um, I, I'm an opportunist as well. Uh, there was a time where I went to I, I tried to be like this purest bow hunter, you know, all strictly archery. Everything I was going after was archery. Mm-hmm. And and the and and that's great. I don't I don't care if somebody wants to do that. I I don't you know it, that's that's the great part about hunting is you have these options to to worry about. But I think what happens, and 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 like 
social media is a really good place to air all this dirty laundry. But I think that somebody thinks about their, let's use elk hunting for an example. Let's, somebody thinks about their archery season all year long. You know, maybe maybe they get a new bow in December, in January or something. They, they get it all, you know, set up for them. And, and they start getting out there in the spring and, and flinging arrows. And they, um, you know, go to some 3D archery shoots and they listen to podcasts and they watch a bunch of videos and 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 they buy like the uh, some of those online hunting courses and and they're putting all this effort they buy a bunch of new gear new new camo new boots and they they come around to season and they get in an air uh, a situation where they're not hearing bugles and maybe their unit is is really crowded um, these are real problems. These are real problems. You'll go into an area that looks super elky on like Onyx and then you'll get there and it's like a desert. Well, like the aliens came in and abducted, they, they abducted all the elk, you know, that you're not getting a sound <laughs> and you'll go to another unit and it's like everybody and their dog and the governor and the governor's dog is there bugling for, for elk, you know, and, and they're just super swamped. I'm not saying those issues don't exist, but I'm saying that people don't allow themselves to be flexible enough to adapt to whatever the situation is. And then, you know, season ends, they don't notch a tag. And and the best place to air that dirty laundry is to make excuses as to why that happened by blaming the fishing game or blaming the rifle hunters or blaming the muzzleloader hunters or the houndsmen or the bait, the, 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 the bear baiters, you know, all these different hunters, these other, these factions, if you will, that, that make up hunting and they can use that as an excuse and they could, they could take their, the, that pain and anger that builds up from not notching a tag and and put you know some kind of label as to why it didn't happen outside of the fact that maybe you just didn't go far enough from the road maybe you didn't weren't flexible enough to switch units or drive 30 miles down the dirt road and find an area that wasn't so crowded maybe maybe those uh, were some of the things that led to uh you know tag soup and not the fact that uh you know, I I heard I, I I this like perfect for this. Somebody was complaining about wolves killing all the elk in this unit. That I know almost for a fact, there's no wolves over there, and so it, it's like it, it's that kind of stuff, you know. And and the other part too is what you were talking about when you're um, saying like you know uh, you like to you enjoy the archery season and then going into the rifle season and the muzzle loader. I like all those too, because I, I, I like the experience. I love rifle hunting. I think it's fun. I, I really enjoy rifle hunting. It's a totally different experience. Yeah. And I love bow hunting too. Um, but people have a tendency to want to blame the system versus blaming themselves. So like if the seasons are not set to yeah. what you think they should be, that does not mean that every hunter out there thinks or agrees with your opinion on it because there, if you take 100 hunters, you're going to have 100 different opinions as to how that season should be set. And the better approach to it would be to check out what those seasons are and work hard with those seasons. Don't work against them. Work to those seasons. You know, focus on on how they are laid out. Okay, rifle season doesn't open until, you know, middle of October for elk. What are the elk doing in middle of October? What what are they doing towards the end of October? Um, you know, and 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 focus on that. Focus your energy on that instead of worrying about whether or not the entirety of the fishing game agency in whatever state you're hunting in is going to change that season because you don't like it. Yeah, absolutely. 
I, I have to look in the mirror. Um, oh, me too. This yeah. season, 2023, my elk season here, um, I wanted to choose a, a unit that was a little closer to home and um, have the opportunity to hunt with my son some more. And I didn't do all my due diligence. And, you know, I did my summer work, did scouting, you know, checked the unit out and found elk. It was like, wow, this place is great. It's beautiful. Um, has a little bit of everything. There's backcountry, you know, if you want to pack in, if you want to try real hard and hike to the deepest holes, there's that. Um, if you want easier days where there's some roaded areas, there's that. Um, so fast forward to um, opening opening day. Opening day was great. There was a few people around, but not too many. But after Labor Day, you know what happens <laughs> Labor Day weekend, <laughs> everybody shows up. And yeah. nobody went home and, and more and more people came. And this place was a zoo. There were people everywhere. Literally every place that you could possibly camp, there was someone camped. And immediately your mind starts racing like, gee whiz, you know, the fishing game, they shouldn't sell so many tags in this unit. This All those really non-residents, man. People here and yada, yada. <laughs> yeah. 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 The funny thing is, like, I hardly saw any non-residents. They were all Idaho plates. Yeah. Um, no. Idaho's had a big influx of people move in recently. That's true. Else, like, but yeah. We won't say that say that place. But anyhow, I was just like, man, I need to cut the tags back here. You know? And, and immediately, that was my first knee-jerk reaction. Then as you sit and dwell on it a little bit, it's like, no, dummy. <laughs> you should have done your homework a little better. The fishing game provides... All the all the information and data at your fingertips. I should have looked at how many tags they sold that in that unit last year. How many and what was the harvest rate? What was this? What was that? You know, it breaks it down. You know, spikes. How many uh, percentage of elk that were harvested were spikes? How many were six point or bigger? You know, there's a lot of data there in the hunt planner, but I I I overlooked that. That, and well, I, that's, that's my fault. That's, that's not one of those everyone else's fault for trying to go out and have a good time. Yeah, and it's that it's that same thing I where it's the mistake I make all the time where you'll find a unit that seems like it's close and convenient to town and and you'll look at it in the summer and nobody's up there, but come September the place is packed because oh, yeah. everybody else has the same mindset. They they you know, if you're if you're hunting outside of like a, a big metro area, everybody wants that closer access. We don't want to drive six hours every time. It'd be nice to just drive an hour from home and get up in the sticks and find some bugling bulls. And so that's, that's always a factor. Um, and it, you know, there's no getting away from it either way, because like, even if it's three hours from home, there's people that are going to be like, I'm going to get away from the crowds by getting further away from town. And, and it's still crowded, you know? And so it's, it's hard to, it's hard to yeah, say, yeah. uh, what's going to work, but, um, I don't know. That's, I guess that's, that's why they call it hunting, and it's it's not you know we're not we're not just going up to fetch an elk right and and a uh, couple hundred pounds of meat. We're going up there to hunt, and and it's going to be tough. And what makes it tough are not just the elk and the terrain you got to cover. It's it's uh, it's the other hunters. It's the non residents and the residents and the and the seasons that the uh, fishing game agency sets up. It's it's all that, and you have to play into that game because if you're not playing the game, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna be successful. And and you know, bitching about it on Facebook's not gonna not gonna help you next year, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like people don't like to look at the man in the mirror too often. You know, face the fact that well, maybe maybe I'm the culprit, maybe I'm the problem, maybe I should have planned better. Now, what are your thoughts 
on bad apples. So we do have some bad apples in hunting, you know. You mm-hmm. have the people who are caught poaching. You know, the, the people who are maybe putting videos on there that maybe the general public's just not ready to see yet. Um, those are usually pretty pretty polarizing as well. Um, yeah. And kind of a dumpster fire as well. What are your thoughts on that stuff? That's such a tough question, man. That, that's been a big discussion on my show. It's like, A... Who decides what's okay to post? You know, because I have my opinions and you're going to have your opinions and maybe our opinion isn't the same. And and um, everybody listening to this is going to have their own opinion. In terms of the bad apples, I don't care if you're talking about a church, a company, an organization, a government entity, um, a knitting group club or a (laughs) bottle cap collecting club yeah uh there's always a percentage of bad apples that tend to uh, shine that negative light on the rest of us right right i I think i just i just told this story but um when i just got out of boot camp in the marines and you know you're all you're all pumped up you're all you know filled with pride and motivation you know i'm a i'm a u.s marine now i just got out of boot camp or whatever and then I, I get out, and they, they give you, like, this 10-day leave time uh, to go home and, and uh, walk around and um, in your dress blue uniforms and, and flaunt the fact that you just became a Marine or whatever. Um, all over in the newspapers was the headline was, Two U.S. Marines Poached Wild Horses in, like, the Mojave Desert. Oh, geez. So instead of saying that two guys went out and poached horses, they, they labeled it two U.S. Marines, and they were. They were Marines. They were stationed at a camp, Pendleton or whatever, in California there. And uh, they went out and, and had killed some horses. Um, you know, and, and the problem with that is, is that reflects on the entirety of the Marine Corps. So everybody thought that Marines were nothing but a bunch of innocent horse killers, wild horse yeah. poachers, you know. And, right. and this went on for like months Everybody was talking about it, you know, the, it was national news. And and so that sort of thing, that, that same thing happens um, on in the hunting space. If we have somebody like if you remember if you remember back a couple of years, those those uh, those younger guys had uh, wounded that little buck and the buck is struggling but couldn't get up and they're over there like filming themselves kicking this buck. And and then there was this other video that came out where they they had hung the the carcass in a garage, and uh, these young again young young guys were pouring beer into the chest cavity and shooting like like um, what do you call that where where you beer drink bonging? the beer really fast what like what beer, is, beer yeah beer, beer bonging bong. that's what it was yeah. I was drawing a blank yeah I've drank I, I drank so much beer in my life I can't remember cool terms like that <laughs> beer bonging. And they were like bonging the beer out of the mouth of this this buck hanging yeah. upside down in a garage. And then they put that, they chose to put that on social media. Now, those two examples are super obvious things of stuff that we need to police ourselves on. We can't right. allow stuff like that to be posted because that reflects on the entirety of, of the hunting community. PETA is going to grab a hold of that video and they're going to put it out to thousands, if not, if not millions of people. And say, look, look at what hunters do. Look at what these redneck hillbillies do to these innocent animals. And and that that message is gonna, you know, then you're gonna have some some lady sitting on our couch watching a, a late night show, and this PETA commercial comes on, 
and these these hunters are kicking the crap out of a deer that's wounded and can't get up and it's making all this noise and and that is going to be her uh representation in her mind that is going to be her perception as to what a hunter is so like two weeks later maybe she that same lady's sitting in church and and the guy next to her is like yeah i can't wait for uh, for church to get out so i can get up on the mountain and go deer hunting she's going to look negatively on that guy because she thinks he's going to go out there wound a deer and then kick it and, and punch it and, and film it and put it on Facebook. So those are the obvious things that I think as hunters, as a community, we need to jump on that kind of stuff. Those kids that were uh, pouring the beer down the chest cavity, I hit them up all on Facebook and I'm, I was trying to get them on my show. Um, they One of them responded, but they wouldn't come on my show. But, but those are the kind of people we need to police ourselves. It's the other stuff that is a, is a much more difficult conversation. It's stuff that is like, uh, and I bring this example a lot up on my show where they, uh, they, they've got a coyote in a, in a foothold trap and, and they're, they're filming themselves walking up to this coyote that's just freaking out, making all this noise, yipping and yapping and, and that circle of death. He's going crazy in this circle of death and the guys are laughing and, and, and making this big deal and this scene and, and oh, we're killing, or I'm sorry, we're saving a bunch of deer because we're going to get this coyote and then bam, they shoot this coyote and then they post that video. The thing is with that is there are some gnarly realities that come out of of hunting and trapping. And we know that as hunters, we know the brutality that can come out of it. Right. We don't have to show that stuff. We don't have to show that stuff. And I am not going to be like the judge and jury uh, as to what we should and shouldn't post. But I think obvious things like that, we need to police ourselves and start reaching out to those kind of people. And, and, you know, the, the proverbial, uh, proverbial, um, God, I can't speak tonight, man. Uh, shake your finger at those kind of people and let them know, Hey man, that, that is not a good, uh, look for us as, as a community, you need to take that video down. And, and I am not saying, you know, your, your average, uh, kill shot with a bow or a rifle shot and, and, and stuff like that. I am talking about the extreme ones that, that the non-hunter, I'm not talking about the anti-hunter, we're not going to change their mind. It's the extreme, or I'm sorry, the uh, non-extreme, non-hunting average citizen that doesn't have any real exposure to hunting that are going to see something and you have to really use common sense. If some non-hunter sees this post, are they going to think negatively or positively about hunters? And that is what's going to bode for us in the future when it comes down to who the stakeholders are in the future of hunting. And, and if it comes down to like a ballot initiative, you know, should deer hunting continue in America? You know, uh, not that I think that's right around the corner, but I do think that that is in our future at some point. It's going to come down to like a vote, a populist vote. And, and those people are going to remember those nasty videos that we posted of that poor coyote in that trap hold. I love hunting and trapping coyotes too. So don't anybody mistake me. I know the brutality that goes into it, especially when you're trapping them. But I don't show that stuff. I've, I don't think I've ever posted uh, one of my coyotes, and I've killed a lot of coyotes. Uh, and, and, and I don't care if you do. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I am saying in that context, that's where we got to police ourselves, uh, not showing them in that circle of death and, and everything else, you know, and, and showing that helpless coyote sitting there with with his foot stuck in a foothold trap and a bullet going through his head why show that why do we have to show that i don't know what do you think i think it's just too graphic uh and here's here i think as hunters we sometimes forget our personal 
individual roots. We, not we don't forget, um, we take that for granted. So where you came from, what you've seen, what you've done in your life, you know, you've seen, you know, maybe you've done a lot of, you've run a trap line, maybe you've uh, shot and butchered a lot of animals, you know, in the woods, you know, you cut them up into pieces, pack them out, you know, whatever. You were, you grew up in the mountains, a small town. You, you've done a lot in the, in the woods, in the backwoods. But what a lot of us don't realize, I think, is not everyone has had those same exposures in their life. So yeah. a non-hunter, new hunter, maybe a hunter who's been hunting for 20, 30 years, they just never have seen something of that kind of a graphic nature or maybe haven't participated in anything similar to that um, to where they see it and it's it's disturbing. And as a non-hunter, if they've never been exposed to any kind of animal death, then that would be a gruesome um, thing to witness, right? Absolutely. If you're a trapper and you've shot lots of lots of coyotes, and then you you're you know you know what it's all about, right? Yeah. Um, for, for instance, here here there were, there was a a video that kind of went viral on Instagram the other day. The guy was um, he shot an elk, he cut the head off, and it was really steep country, and it's so steep rather than cut the meat off of the carcass right there and pack it on your back down this steep hillside. He rolls the elk, the headless elk down the hillside and it rolls and tumbles way down the hillside, saving him, you know, lots of work. Lots of, you know, you got the thing a lot closer to the truck, you know, right. But not everybody's ready to see that, you know, he videoed it, posted that video. Not everybody's ready to see it. You know, I, I don't, personally i don't have a problem with it. i thought it was wow that, that's ingenious that's, that's yeah, a good idea i saw that i saw that video and and i thought the same exact thing you i'm like i'd do that in a heartbeat i just wouldn't film it yeah. and put it on instagram no no and you know i don't think anyone i don't think he was probably trying to re- disrespect the animal you know the animal's dead he's taking its life he's gonna try to get that thing closer to you know his destination and it was probably warm out let's let's get this thing down the hill quick as we can um you know it's not a good look though maybe maybe i'm not gonna share that kind of a video um maybe i'm you know maybe maybe some things can remain a little bit of a secret right you don't and so i feel like because there was a he got a ton of hate mail oh tons (laughs) yeah i read i read all those comments there's lots (laughs) read all the comments, you know, and people were, were, were very mad and upset. And, and, um, and I think, you know, as I read through the comments, I'm like, you know, and that's what got me to thinking, like, you know, not a lot of people have had the same upbringing or have had experienced, um, taking an animal's life. Even, uh, there's a lot of new hunters, you know, maybe they've never even killed an animal, but they would like to kill a deer or whatever, but they haven't shot ground squirrels or, or coyotes or, or, or other deer or elk or whatever. They, they have no experience with that. And then they see that. And that's kind of one of the, it's kind of graphic and something that really hard to digest if you've never thought about it or seen it. So, um, yeah, man, that maybe before posting videos like that, we, we, you know, I, I would censor myself. Like, Oh, this is cool. Until like, well, I don't think every, this is not something for everyone to see. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. 
Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of Seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on Seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. And I actually, I've always, I've always like respected the way that you post. Um, when when you get an elk down, your posts are always super tasteful looking. Like it's, it, there's just something you, you always give like reverence and respect to the animal in some way. Um, you're not like laying down next to it, trying to give it a kiss in the ear or whatever. Some of these weird pictures people do. Uh, you know, it's always just a, a good, clean photo, uh, you know, like an honoring, uh, and it's honoring multiple things. You're honoring yourself as a hunter, you're honoring the animal, and you're honoring the 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 experience that it was. But, you know, getting back to what we were talking about, you, you nailed it, man, that there are people that go through this life that have no experience. You've got to remember, there's a huge part of the population, even if they're meat eaters, they have never been on a farm. They've never seen something butchered. They've never seen something killed outside of maybe a spider getting stepped on, and even that bothers them. So I saw a post the other day, somebody was out muzzleloader, um, had had got a, a, a cow elk down, and it was a big, beautiful cow elk, and, and they had, uh, had a good shot of it, and it was kind of like, you know, the snow, light snow had fallen, and they'd kind of staged the elk, cleaned it up a little bit. But the problem, what, what, see, what hunters don't like pick up on, because this is something we've been exposed to for a long time. What we don't pick up on sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, is uh, the bloodbath that ensues from a 50 caliber muzzle loader going through 
uh, flesh like this, right? And so around this this right. elk was just, I mean, it looked like somebody brought in a, a garden hose full of blood and it's it's up and down the tree and it's all over the snow and and like to to guys like you and I that's just normal we we expect that right and it's it's not it's not bothersome mm-hmm. but right. think about the person that has never been and uh, th- that has never been exposed to that and how are they going to react and we can be jerks and we could be we could sit around and talk about how well I don't care how how they are I'm a hunter they need to know how this is this is this I I only care about what I post Okay, they need you, to toughen up. They need to toughen up and, and grow a pair or whatever. But you have to understand yeah. the, these people, it's not yeah. about that. Like, I've never been to a place where they butcher cows, and it would probably disturb me. And I raised cows when I was a I didn't personally yeah. raise them, but our family, our, we, we raised cattle. And uh, we would send them off, and, and we'd never see them again. You know, I didn't go out there and butcher these things. And... Um, you know, so something like that, I imagine I might be slightly disturbed by seeing that 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 rod or whatever go through their head. Um, but the the other side to that, too, is, you know, have you seen that meme, Dirk, that has been going around where it's like everybody's there at Thanksgiving and uh, it's like, oh, there's our deer hunter. And then the next next person is like, oh, there was deer. I saw some deer in my yard and, and somebody else was, did you bring me some deer meat? You know, that whole thing where you're, you're sitting there and, and there's a family. Did you catch of any deers? Did you catch a deers yet? And I always text you that. I think I text you that this year. How many elks have you catched yet? Yeah. <laughs> Dirk. And, um, anyway, the, uh, yeah. but, but if you, as funny as that meme is, you have to think about those are the people when you post, when you post something that you've killed out in the field, those are the people that see that that are sitting there and they're, they're the ones asking you if you catch a deer, right? And, and they don't have exposure to this life. They don't know how they, they couldn't even begin to tell you how to gut a deer. They, they couldn't tell you how much blood right. is visible when, when you do gut a deer, they can't tell you how quickly a coyote will come in and snatch your venison right out of your, uh, you know, uh, wherever you leave it. If you're taking one load out, they, they don't know how all that stuff works. And it's not because they're stupid. It's because that's just not what they do. And so those are the people, when you post something, is is one of the people at that table in that meme going to see that on Facebook while they're sitting there after dinner one night and think, man, that is some brutal shit. We, why would somebody do that? And, and I think that we need to start having more conversations about what um, that means and and what how we like kind of police ourselves and clean up our own house before we start judging these other houses like the hostile vegan crowd or the the anti hunting crowd and all these other crowds that want to see our lifestyle taken away before we start getting after them we need to clean up our own house and and look at what the non hunter is has been exposed to because we already have things like Hollywood is against us. We have uh, anti-hunting groups putting out propaganda. We have uh, some hostile commissions uh, on some of these wildlife agency boards. We have all these things that are against us, and and we're just like playing right into um, their game plan. And and I think that the, it's time to stop kind of pussyfooting around the fact that these conversations need to be had because the the future of hunting really is at stake, and and we are. Uh, the ones that are solely responsible for any of the negative press that comes out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think everybody just needs to, to like step back sometimes and think about 
when somebody voices an opinion or, you know, maybe they just said something on online, you know, and it's maybe not a method of maybe you don't like bow hunting or maybe you don't like traditional archers or maybe you don't like whatever. And, but you have to think about that person and, and what, what part of hunting do you like? Um, well, I like this part and this is what's really important to me. And I am very passionate about it. Well, you have to understand that other person, they're just as passionate about what they like, um, as much as you're passionate about what you like. Um, and it's all a form of hunting, right? Mm -hmm. So as long as it's, you know, as long as you're not shooting holes in the boat, you know, as long as you're not being a bad apple, you know, if it's a legal method to take and the optics are good on it, we should support each other. Um, we should, you know, we should have each other's, we should have each other's back. We shouldn't be so quick to, to rain on somebody's parade because they don't shoot the same bow you shoot or the same rifle caliber or muzzle, (laughs) whatever it is. Yeah. Um, we shouldn't be so quick to rain on someone else's parade. Um, we should, we should, you know, applaud them. Um, if you, if you have something negative to say, maybe you should think about it before you say it and maybe not say it just like let it go because really if you, i learned this a long time ago on the internet like if you want to sit there and argue you can argue for as much time as you want to sit at a computer and ta- type the keys and as fast as you can type them people will do the same thing so oh that, i've been so no guilty of that yeah oh yeah i what you know it's not my day first day on the internet right <laughs> back when i first got on the internet you know, oh man. i felt like i needed to to talk, to say some things, but honestly, yeah, me too. Sometimes, you know, it just ain't, it's not worth it. You know, the, the, the time to try to try, especially if you're going to say something negative. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think if we can all just work together towards supporting hunting, all, all types that's legal, that's yep. ethical and has good optics you know, I think we should all kind of work work towards that instead of trying to tear each other down over over uh, a car- caliber of cartridges and broadheads and lighted knocks and expandable broadheads, yeah, and traditional bows and wheel is bows there, and oh, there's there. I mean, there's a million different things to argue about. Is there a public worse, land versus private land? Yeah, yeah, private or uh, you know, high fence hunter versus public land hunter, and and it's like. You have the the problem is is we're breaking these down into like these these factions and there's like nothing worse than that post that you just mentioned the hey what's the best caliber for elk hunting or what's the best caliber for deer hunting man I cringe anytime I see that because oh, a yeah. for uh, let, let me tell you something I've been deer hunting since I was a kid and I don't care I don't care what caliber you choose everybody has their opinion I have my favorite. But I've killed deer with all sorts of different calibers and all sorts of different ranges. Yeah, it's really that that is such a question that is so dependent on the particular individual hunter. But back to you. But to your point that you just made, I think it's really important that uh, we we talk about that because those are some of the factions we have. We have your your private land versus public land hunter. You've got your OTC. Uh, versus, you know, your your special draw or whatever. You've got your guided hunter versus DIY. You've got your, you know, high fence versus public land. You, you can, there are a million different ways to break this down. But at the end of the day, I've, I've always maintained that hunters, we're looking for three things. 
and and I don't care what your method of take is. I don't care if you're a rifle or a bow hunter or a fly fisherman versus a bait fisherman. When, specifically for hunters, we're looking for th- uh, three things, and that is that primal connection to nature is one, right? And then you've got the meat in the freezer. You may not even know. You may not even you, you know You might that. not even recognize that. But the, the reason why it is so exciting, and this is, I, I, you know, I, I, this is probably more specific for, for like men's personalities, but th- that is something that we seek and we almost require it in our lives. And that's why I think, well, that's a whole other podcast episode. So, so we're looking for that primal connection to nature. <laughs> we're looking for uh, meat in the freezer. And the third thing is, is we're looking for that memory. And those are the three things. That's it. That's, that's all, all hunters are always looking for. Sure, does, are, are there variations out of that where, you know, somebody might go hunt a, um, a brown bear that's not good eating or, or, or want to go hunt a wolf that's not good eating? Yeah, I get it. Do you, we don't need a nickel and dime. Again, that goes back into why rip this whole concept apart because the, the the concept of of what 99.9% of hunters are, are pursuing is we are looking for that primal connection we're looking that which is adventure um that that feeling of fulfillment when you when you get out there and it's it's yourself up against a wild beast and and you're successful that's that connection we're looking for because we're not participants in nature we are part of nature when we are hunters and that that freezer full of meat is a super important aspect like i am uh, i am very serious about filling our freezer that's that we don't buy a lot of store bought meat uh, unless i have a really bad year <laughs> and that happens and um and then that third thing, that memory, that memory could be anything from uh, a, a big, you know, nice taxidermy mount on the wall, or it could be just something that's in your mind. You know, that memory 30 years from now, you'll remember getting your first cow elk with a, with a muzzle loader, for example, or my daughter uh, shooting her first spike, um, you know, it's buck or something like that, or it could be a nice Euro mount, or it could be like this bear rug or bear hide on the wall behind me. You know, those kind of things, those are the three things that hunters are pursuing. And it's it's consistent across the board in North America, in Africa, or anywhere else where anybody hunts. Those are the three things that we pursue. And they are all three individually worth fighting for as, as themselves. But when you combine all three, it is worth it for everybody to keep that in mind. Because if you're some OTC DIY public land hunter, which I am, that's what I do, and you're giving somebody a hard time because they paid 30 grand to go hunt on a ranch, the outcome is the same for both parties if they're both successful. The, that primal connection is there. Sure, one may have been a little bit harder, but maybe not. Maybe not. I, I've never hunted a high-paid ranch, so how do I know? What if that hunt is harder than an OTC tag? I don't know. But the, the point is, is, is we're not going to judge it because we have the three same goals with the that, that end game is the same for all of us. And when it comes to uh, us picking a side when the bigger threats come down the pike uh, against the hunting community, we're going to be standing on the same side of the aisle. And I don't want to have animosity towards my brother or sister over there that, that may have had the money to go spend 30 grand on a hunt. Uh, we're still going to be on the same team. We, we are on the same team, and I'm not going to judge them for it. And, and that's how I feel about it. We'll see you. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And that, that person that maybe threw down that that big money to go hunt on a on a private land hunt um 
maybe they have some money to put towards, you know, a worthwhile project for, for hunters, all hunters in general, you know, yeah. maybe they want to donate money to a, to a good cause, you know, that's going to fight against, against anti-hunting. Um, yeah, we got, we got bigger fish to fry. We want people, yeah. they, there's people that want to take away our hunting rights. They, they want to take away the right to eat meat in general. I oh, mean, yeah. there's, there's crazy radical groups everywhere. They want to put, they don't even think people should live in certain parts of the country. I mean, mm. you, you name it. There's, there's, there's somebody that's got an organization trying to take away something. And as far as hunting rights and stuff goes, we all need to, to like put our sides aside, our differences aside and stand up together and be one voice, um, and kind of push back against these anti-hunters. Um, because if not, if you look like, if you rewind a little bit, if you go back to like when Washington and Oregon lost hound hunting back in the day, um, you know, back then hunters, there was no internet. There was no, there was no, um, good way for hunters to connect and to join forces. You, you just kind of heard about stuff in the newspaper, you know, and, yeah. you know, some people would go down to the town hall or go to the meetings and say, you know, we don't want you to do that, but it wasn't enough of a, of, of a ruckus to, to stop that kind of, uh, litigation or legislation, uh, keep those laws from getting passed. Right. Well, yep. now there's no excuse for it. Like there's, we have a lot of hunters all across America. There's social media to spread the word when things are going wrong. And then instead of like sitting here, tearing each other down, that'd be a good opportunity to spend that time advocating for, for hunting, mm -hmm. you know? Don't waste mm -hmm. your time keyboard warrior warrior in it for for you know because you're against six five creedmoors you know take that time and and advocate for hunting put yeah. your money where your mouth is put your time where your mouth is join a conservation group absolutely I always look at it I always look at it Dirk like uh, it's like we're all in the same football team and we're getting to the Super Bowl you know the Super Bowl's coming up in a couple of weeks or whatever and we go to practice. Uh, or, or whatever you, maybe we go to some football camp or, or something like that. And like, you know, everybody's like the, they, they didn't like the, uh, the jock strap that the quarterback picked out. And so they're all kicking him in the knee. And so now his knees all jacked up by the time the Super Bowl comes around. <laughs> and, and that's kind of how I see it. Like, right. and, and if you look at the other side, the, the, the folks that are anti hunting, or, um, or, or, or like the hostile vegans, because there's, there's like a way to, and we don't have to get into all that, but they're, they're, they're separated and they're separate and they have different motivations. But um, like the anti-hunting crowd, they're not kicking each other in the kneecap, man. They're not fighting. They're not behind the scenes no. pulling each other's hair. They're not uh, elbowing somebody in the face in public uh, and, and ripping each other apart. These folks are, they, they are well tuned into the fact that hunters are, are essentially ripping each other apart it's almost as if they, they I, I've heard, I've actually seen some of them say this. Uh, if you follow some of these, like I geek out on this stuff. I, I actually follow them on, on in Facebook groups. I like disguise who I am and join a, some anti-hunting <laughs> Facebook group, you know, and, and I'll, I'll watch them. And, and the comments that they make are literally, you know, even if we don't have the money uh, to pursue this through lit litigation, the hunters are, are are ripping each other apart anyway. They're they're fighting about um, such and such hunting season and stuff. And I've literally seen them write this kind of stuff in their comments. And and they you know they'll say stuff like they are losing support uh, amongst the public. They are um, 
public support for uh, hunting for meat has dropped 10 percent in the last 20 years and you know and they're putting all these little statistical data in there and then they're 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 backing that up with the fact that all we have to do is keep letting these hunters do what they do on social media and and the general public's going to be turning against them anyway um, and so that's why these conversations are so important. It's not like this stuff is just, you know, Dirk and I sitting around uh, making stuff up and creating problems that don't actually exist. These problems actually do exist, and they actually strategically plan for this kind of stuff to come after our rights as hunters and, and our future as hunters. And I am not going to sit around and and uh, risk my daughter's and my grandchildren's future of, of being able to do what I love to do because I, I chose not to say something about it because I was afraid of maybe being less popular or, or, or somebody disagreeing with me. It's time that we, we come together and defend our principles as hunters and be unified and not give a crap about what caliber somebody shoots their elk with. It's just, it's so silly that we do that. I, I don't get it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Everything you just said I, echoes my, my thoughts as well. Well, Jim, man, we're pushing up to an hour here, and uh, it feels like we've been talking for about 10 minutes. If you guys haven't heard um, Jim's podcast, it's called The Western Huntsman, and he's got all sorts of guests on there. I've been on there a couple times. Um, he's got all sorts of different guests and all sorts of different topics. So if you like to, to like to listen about hunting stories or hunting tactics, or he does this really cool thing called The School of September where he talks about elk elk calling tech tips and tactics by a bunch of different guests and uh and some some constant conservation stuff too he gets all sorts of folks on there how do we best find your your podcast and and you on social media uh well they could just the the easiest place is on instagram it's at the western huntsman uh and you can you can find the podcast um anywhere podcasts are found or at the western huntsman podcast.com awesome well, thanks again, Jim. Always a pleasure to get on here and talk with you. Um, we need to connect some more uh, again here real soon in the future. Maybe I can get on your podcast and we'll talk about some other fun stuff. Yeah, let's do it, man. I love chewing the fat with you anytime, brother. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. 
For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. 